week we started a sermon series called Builders. Can you say that with me? Builders. Builders. So it's going to be an eight-week series, as I mentioned. So we are going to cover many different areas, including spirituality, family relationships, and characteristics, and many other areas we are going to cover during this long eight-week sermon series called Builders. So I believe we are all called to build, not to destroy. God has called us, each one of us, to build something, not to destroy. So we are all called, we are all, in fact, we are builders. Can you say that I'm a builder? Out loud, can you say I'm a builder? God has called each one of us. Can you, those who are online, can you say out loud so that we can hear you? I'm a builder. All right, thank you. So this morning, we are going to continue the series that we started last week. So at the beginning of each series, we are going to take a oath called the Builder's Oath. So shall we all arise as we take our Builder's Oath this morning? So as we read it out loud, we take this oath. Shall we go ahead? I believe that I am called to build, not to destroy. I believe that I'm called to build on the foundation of Christ that is God's word. I'm called to build myself up, not to destroy. I'm called to build my family, not to destroy. I'm called to build my marriage, not to destroy. I'm called to build my church, not to destroy. I'm called to build my nation, not to destroy. Go ahead. I'm also called... I will be faithful to my call to build. I will take all the efforts to build, even if it requires me to sacrifice my time, my effort, my ego, my status. I will still look for opportunities to build others. I will rejoice over seeing other lives being built by me. I will join my fellow believers to build the kingdom of God on this earth without any national, lingual, racial, color, and denominational discriminations in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. We are doing a sermon series called Builders. Last week we talked about the wise and the foolish builder. But this week, during the second sermon on this series called Builders, we are going to talk about family builders. Can you say that with me? Family builders? Family builders. You and I are called to build our families. So this morning, the sermon is going to be a study packed with a lot of scriptures to support our study. So it's going to be a sermon come study. So I just want you to be attentive. I want you to just grab as much as possible as the Lord speaks to you. So before we get started, here is my conviction on this. So I am strongly convinced that family must be built on the foundation of God's word. I don't know about you, I'm strongly convinced that family must be built, especially I'm more convinced today as I was preparing this sermon. Family must be built on the foundation of God's word. And for some reason, those who are listening to me, if you don't have that conviction this morning, you are not going to agree with me in everything that I'm going to say. Are you with me this morning? Do you agree with me that family need to be built on the foundation of God's word? Can I hear an amen if you agree with me? Out loud. 
Our God is a God who believes in families. In fact, he was the one who created families. If you can go back, go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And the Lord God said, can you read with me? All the scriptures, I encourage you to read with me. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Two things that the word of God is talking about. It is not good for man. Anybody here choose to remain good, sorry, remains alone. God is telling you this morning, it is not good for man and woman to be alone number one and then he says i will make him a helper comparable not just anybody not just random xyz somebody who is comparable someone who is suitable as another version says someone who is suitable two things it is not good for man to be alone woman to be alone god will who will make who decides God, I will make him a helper comparable to him. God only knows who is suitable for you. God only knows who is comparable for you. Let's take it further. Genesis chapter 2, verse 23 to 24. And Adam said, can you read with me? This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. They shall become one flesh. Scripture loaded with so much of truth in it. What makes you one flesh? It's not cohabitation. It's not living together. What makes you one flesh? Marriage. What makes you one flesh? Are you with me? Marriage makes you one flesh. You know, animals and birds, when they mate with their pair, they don't become one flesh. Human, for the same reason, they don't become one flesh, flesh just like that. You and I become one flesh with our partner through marriage when a man finds his bone and flesh. Man has to allow himself to God to take bone out of him to make a woman. That's how God made. That's how still God is making in marriage. That's how we become one flesh. If you try to decide to live with somebody for some reason, for some time, you don't really become one flesh because that's not the marriage that Bible is talking about. Bible says marriage is honorable. Can you say honorable? Marriage is honorable. Can you come with me to Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4? Bible says, can you read with me? Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Bible simply says... Anything that is not biblical marriage is fornication and adultery. Anything that is not biblical marriage is fornication and it is adultery. What is the purpose of marriage? Purpose of marriage, the primary reason, the purpose of marriage that Bible is talking about is procreation, offsprings, generations. God doesn't want us to die just like that. God wants us to produce of the same kind. If you plant a seed, apple seed in the ground, it's going to produce an apple tree. 
And God wants us to generate. God wants us to produce. That is the major purpose of There are other purposes too, but major purposes. God wants us to procreate. God wants us to generate. Can you come with me to Genesis chapter 128? I'm just talking about family now before we really get into how do we build that family. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. Then God blessed them and God said to them, what did he say? Be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and subdue it have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the face of this earth the date of the marriage is the same date of the birth of the family when your family was born when we are united together in marriage that was the day your family was born. Family really doesn't grow like a tree. Family had to be built. A tree just grows by itself, but family doesn't really grow like a tree. If you can put the next slide, please. As a wall is built by keeping the blocks one over the other, our house is built by laying a foundation, the laying the side walls and building a structure and building the walls and putting a roof. You know, that's how a house is built. Block one block over the other block. Family has to be built by layer by layer, block by block. That's how God wants us to build a family. So we cannot just start a family and just leave the family to grow by itself or be built by itself. It's not going to happen. You know, that's the reason some of our families are not built in a proper way because we come together in the day of marriage and then we just go on our own business of taking care of our own selves. The family is not going to be built. So what will happen if the family is not built properly? What will happen if the family is not built well? If you can put the next slide. If the family is not built properly, it's going to fall apart soon. Your family, after a couple of years of marriage, your family will look like a tree. That's what you see there. Just after a hurricane, losing all its leaves. That's how your tree, that's how your marriage is going to be. If you don't really try to do anything to build your marriage. Or in other, in a, in other words, if you don't really build your marriage after a couple of years, it looks like the building you know, that just faced an 8.5 magnitude of earthquake. Some of our families are going through this. Why? Because we have not taken any effort to build our family. Our families are not built on the foundation of God's word. And this morning you are hearing me. And those who are listening to me online, you are just listening to me. Just because God wants you to build your families. It's not too late. It's not too late. How do you know your family is built well? Some of us have doubt. I've been living, we are, we are living in marriage. We are, everything is going on well. How do I know that my family is built well? And those who are not married, by the way, it's coming on your way. It's coming. Someday or the other, it's coming. And it's better you know, so that you know whom to choose. You know what is the difference between marriage and cohabitation. You want to put everything right according to the word of God so that your family will flourish. How do we know if your family is built well? How do we know we are doing the job of a builder? Because you and I are builders in the kingdom of God, building the families. There are a couple of things I just want to talk about. If your family is built well, number one, God is at the center of your family. 
Everyone in your family, they perform their duties and responsibilities very well. You don't need to tell your child 100 times to do the same thing over and over again. You don't need to remind your partner every day to get up and go to office. Every day, get up and go to office. Otherwise, what he will do, he will sleep for 24 plus hours. If your family is built well, when you get together for lunch, when you sit together across the table, when you get to a bedtime, every conversation, every action will bring you joy. Do you have the joy in your family today? Are you lost, already lost the joy? This morning God is speaking to you that you need to build your family on the foundation of God's word. Each member they know their, each member knows their purpose. Why they are united? What God wants them to do as individual, as a family, they know their purpose. The family members, they support one another and care for one another during difficult times, sick times. I'm talking about family that is built well according to the word of God. And in your family, there will be outward focus. When your family is built very well, you will think about people who are suffering, people who are struggling. You don't hesitate to invite them into your family and care for them and love for them. Your family will have outward focus. You know, these are a couple of symptoms that, you know, you can probably think about your family and just come to a conclusion how well our family is built today. So the final question, how do we build our family is the major question. So how do we build our family according to the word of God? As I said, we must build our families the way we are building a structure, the way we are building a building with available blocks. What are those available blocks in the family? Husband, wife, children, sometimes parents or grandparents. These are the available blocks that we see in the family and a family has to be built with all these available blocks. When a house is built with the different components, can you say some of the name? Can you name some of the components? Come of some of the parts of the building. Can you just name? Sand, cement, mix. Okay, sand, cement, mix, bricks. Okay, bricks. Clay. Did you say clay? Bricks. Okay, right. Wood. What else? Paint. Okay, all those stuff, right? <laughs> Whatever you see. So we, the building is built with a lot of blocks, a lot of components, right? So you bring the roof and bring the window and bring the chimney and, you know, there are so many things are required to build a building. So we are talking about building our family with all the elements that God has given in our family. And you know what? Each one has its own purpose. Why do we put the chimney on top? Why don't you put that at the bottom? Right? So why don't we put the door at the side, why don't you put the door above? There is a reason, there is a purpose for which, why each component and each part is placed in a particular way. There is a reason for that. In the same way, God has placed each one of us in our family for a reason. Family is built when we really play our role. There are two things I want you to be careful about. Family is built when we play our role. Secondly, when we allow others to play their role. Are you with me? Family is built well when you play your role 
and allow other partner, other member of the family to play their role. Then your family will be well built. You know, today the world has redefined the role of men and women and children in the family. World has already redefined it. You know, the result is what? The downgrading family structure, the skyrocketing divorce rates, and single parenting. Why? The world has already redefined the roles and responsibilities that the Word of God is talking about for each member of the family. So biblical definition of marriage and family is very, very essential that has to be sought after in order to build a biblical marriage. Are you with me this morning? Are you with me? Hello? Yes? Right, so we want to take it for the biblical order of family. I know it's, some of us, it's tough, but then we need, you need to hear what I'm going to talk about this morning. Biblical order of family. Shall we, shall we take our Bible, get ready towards Galatians chapter 3, verse 28? Before that, before we go there, today the world talks about equal rights for men and women. Equal rights for men and women. Women takes a position, a higher authority in their workplaces, in corporates, in government, and even at churches. There is nothing wrong. Even Bible talks about equal rights concerning salvation. That's where we, that we need to read that scripture. The inheritance, the blessings, the spiritual blessings, salvation, everything is equally applicable to all of us. That's what Paul writes. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, can you read with me? There is neither Jew, read with me please, nor Greek, there is neither slave, nor free, there is neither male, nor male, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That simply means all the blessings, all the spiritual blessings, all the authority, all the inheritance God is giving us, it's all equally distributed to all. There is no difference. There is no difference. But when it comes to the context of a family, family should follow the biblical order of building the families. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3. That's where we see the biblical hierarchy of families. Paul is defining it very clear. Can you read with me number verse 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 11? But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of women is and the head of Christ is God. Head of Christ is God and head of man is Christ and the head of women is man. How many of you disagree with me? Can I hear an amen? So that's the biblical hierarchy of family. I'll give you an example. Women may be a corporate vice president. There are hundreds of executives reporting, including male, many male, they are reporting to that woman. Husband may be running a coffee shop at this corner of the streets. And the woman is the vice president in the corporate, and husband is running a coffee shop at the corner of the street. It really doesn't matter when they come back together inside the house, inside the family. Who is the head of the family? Man is there. Husband is the head of the family. You know, this is the hierarchy Bible defines, and I, we would like to go with that. Because God would not have put that without thinking about it, 
what is really appropriate today for the families? Shall, shall we just have a look at the, the, the hierarchical umbrella, umbrella of uh, uh, family structure, Christ being the head in the umbrella? Do you see that picture? Christ being the head. And husband is there to protect and to lead and to provide. And wife is there to comfort. And wife is also there to support and teach and nurture the children. Children are there to obey to the parents and also they are there to love the parents. We're talking about the biblical hierarchy. We are talking about how do we build families. And each one is a family builder here. And how do we build families today? Let's go run it through quickly. Let's talk about fathers or husbands. The next slide, probably I will just summarize their responsibility. If you can just see that, see that, can you read with me? Father's responsibility is to lead, protect, manage, train, correct, motivate, counsel with love and compassion and be a role model. They're all, each word is having a biblical reference there. I mean, we can't go through the entire scriptures today. Can you read that again? Father's responsibility, husband's responsibility is to lead. Men out loud, men can read out loud. Lead. Protect, manage, train, correct, motivate, counsel with love and compassion and be a role model. First Timothy chapter 3 verse 4 and 5. Paul writes here to Timothy saying that one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence and verse 5 he says, for if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? You know today many pastors, many ministers of God, they don't have face to stand on the pulpit, stand on the chair stage. There's nothing wrong with them. Because they don't manage, they don't know how to manage their family. Bible clearly says if you do not know how to run the family, how to manage our household, how to rule our household, a man has no face to put in front of the people to stand here and preach the word of God. Thank God for families. Thank God for children. They are growing up and coming up in a godly way. Ephesians 6, chapter, chapter 6, verse 4 says, can you read with me? And you fathers, do not provoke, do not make your children angry. I have seen some fathers you know, nagging behind children all the time and they get irritated. Why don't you just leave them alone? Why don't you just leave them alone? Let them leave. They know now how to build their life, how to build their family. Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in, and train them up in the admonition of the Lord. Bring them up and train them up in the instruction of the Lord. Father's responsibility. Psalm 103 verse 13 reading from NIV. As a father has compassion on his children. Who has compassion? Not mother always. Father has compassion. When you know your God, you know your call, God, call your God and tell him God have compassion over me. Father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Train up a child, read with me. Train up a child in the way he should go. Father's responsibility we're talking about. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. When children are in your hands, when children are in your reach, Train them up in a godly way. Train them up. They are not just going to grow by themselves unless you train them. You need to sincerely, you need to put intentionally put your effort to train them up 
Otherwise, they are going to just grow like a wild olive tree without any control and their future is not going to be good. And we are responsible for that. Proverbs 23 verse 13, do not, can you read with me? Do not withhold correction from a child for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. But if you don't do it, his soul will die in the hell. Scripture allows us even to beat our children. That doesn't mean that we need to beat them up every time. As I used to say, keep a rod of correction in your house, just over the refrigerator somewhere. That day I asked that question, how many of you have that rod of correction in your house? I would like to ask that question again and see whether one more hand is up today. How many of you have the rod of correction at home? Oh, all the hands are down now. Keep the rod of correction there at your house. You don't need to use that. Let that be there. That will do its job. Let that be there, scripture. Proverbs 22, verse 15. What is bound in the hearts of a child? Foolishness is bound in the hearts of... Do not enjoy everything that the child does. He or she does many things out of foolishness. Because if you don't build, if you don't correct it, there is no way the child is going to learn by itself. The child is going to learn corruption. Because that's the world. The Bible says, my mother conceives me, conceived me in sin. When a child comes forth, it comes like a bundle of sin. It's coming literally like a bundle of sin because they're going to express the sinful nature as it grows. There is foolishness in the heart of a child and the rod of correction will drive it far from him. Father's responsibility. And we learn one thing that is very important when you build a family. Someone in the family has to do their role. When the father is doing their role, mother should allow the father to perform their role. Many families we have seen when the father is trying to correct a child, mother gets in between. Go away in Jesus' name. That's what you should say. Mother has no business there when the father is correcting a child. Vice versa. You can't just enter it. You need to allow them to perform their duty. That's how you can build a family. Mother's responsibilities. Mother's or wife's responsibilities. Let's read that together. Pointing children to Christ. I'm talking to you mothers today. Pointing children to Christ. Praying for them. Comforting, modeling faith and character, not being lazy, being hard worker, being awake early in the morning, mid of night, and praying for her children, Proverbs 31, and husband, bringing food and additional income to the family. We have a responsibility. It's not that husband goes to work and I remain at home. No, 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 not at all. Bible doesn't talk about it. Bible even, in fact, this doesn't allow you to do that. It says very clearly, you cannot be lazy. You need to go. You need to be like a merchant ship, bringing food to the family, bringing support, in, income support to the family, to the existing income. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Very important scripture, Paul writes to 2 Timothy saying that when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, he's admonishing, he's appreciating in fact him for the genuine faith that Timothy has, where it came from, which dwelt first in your grandmother. Can you read with me? Grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I am persuaded is in you also. Paul saw that faith in Timothy's life. Paul didn't say that it came from his father, but he said it came from his mother Eunice. And grandmother Lois, faith flows from generation to generation. As a grandparent, 
You all become grandparents very soon. As a grandparent, what is your role? And if somebody is listening to me, what is your role? Not to bring confusion between your daughter and your son-in-law. Not to bring confusion between your son and your daughter-in-law. Not to come and create trouble. But what is your role? Feed your child and your grandchild with faith. That's what Timothy's parents did. That's what Timothy's mother and grandmother did. Hannah prayed for Samuel. Mother's responsibility, one of the responsibilities is to pray for your family. Pray for your family. Sometimes I feel that, you know, my family is standing today intact just because of her prayers. We have a responsibility to pray. Proverbs 31, we'll not go there. Verses 10 to 31, if you can note, that, note it down, please, all the women. You can note it down, Proverbs 31, verses 10 to 31. It talks about a virtuous woman. There's a good news. Your husband married you, thinking that you are just one among the men that Bible talks about in Proverbs 31. Verse 10 to 31. How do you perform today? Can you call yourself as a virtuous woman? Is your husband fully happy and satisfied having a virtuous woman? Can he say that I found a virtuous woman? How many of the husbands can, can I see your hands? How many of you found a virtuous woman? One, two, yeah, not all, all of them, all of you are not sure. You will have trouble when you go home. Those who are not raised your hands, you will not going to have lunch today. And probably you have to stand out in the snow today. You are not allowed to enter because you forgot. You can say that, you, uh, women, you need to go to go home and ask your husband, how can, when pastor was asking that question, I thought you will jump out and raise your hand and say hallelujah, but you are sitting quiet without even saying that and you are staring at me. What pastor would have thought? Don't give food for them. Proverbs chapter 31 verses 26 to 27. Can you read with me? She opens her mouth with what? Wisdom. Her mouth is not open always. Sometimes we find it difficult to shut that mouth. We need to pray for that. She opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is a law of kindness. She is strict and she's so kind. She's strict and she's so kind. I thank God for my wife. She's so strict and she's so kind. So I enjoy every opportunity. Let's read that again. She, sorry, let's read that again. Verse 26. She opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Verse 27. She watches over the ways of her household. She keeps an account of what is happening in the house. Do not leave that to your house, husband's hands. Keep an eye what's happening in the household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She's not idle. I want you to go back and read. Mothers play a vital role in the upbringing of children. I want to talk about, I can't just close without talking about this. Susanna Wesley, who lived in the 18th century, had 19 children. How many? 19 children. And nine of those kids she lost at the very early age because of sickness and various other reasons. 
So remaining 10, she was bringing up them in a very godly way, apart from, you know, taking care of them, apart from the strict disciplined environment at home. She was taking care of all 10 children. Today you complain over and you say that, Pastor, I can't come to church because my child is not cooperating with me. How many child, children you have? One. And Susanna Wesley had 10 children. She brought them up in a very disciplined way. She taught them the Lord's Prayer and every day get up and going to bed. They had to recite Lord's Prayer every day. And every day after all ten slept, Susanna Wesley lay down and knelt down with each one of the child and laid her hands over them and prayed for them. Who does that? Mother. That doesn't mean that father should not do it. But who takes the primary responsibility of doing that? Mother, and we know the results. We know about John Wesley and Charles Wesley. They were the founders of Methodism, and they brought great revival to the entire world during the 18th century. So I got hold of the Susanna Wesley's house rules. Any of you have seen Susanna Wesley's house rules? No? You'll see that in the screen right now. So here are the 16 house rules. I'm not saying that you need to follow, but pick it up. There are a couple of things that are very important for your families. Can you read together? Number one, eating between meals. Do we have that in the screen? Eating between meals, not allowed. It may be small, just help me. Children are to be in bed, what time? 8 p.m. They are required to take medicine without complaining. Subdue or control self-will in a child when it is a child and work together with God to save the child's soul because the self-will is not godly in a child. Number five, to teach a child to pray as soon as he can speak or she can speak. Number six, require all to be still during family worship. They can't just jump around here and there. They have to be still during family worship. Where do they practice? At home. At home, number seven, give them nothing that they cry for. Only when they ask politely. I thank God, some of you practice that at home, I'm, I'm sure. But I want you to do that. I want you to practice this. Just take it out. Take this, or I can share this with you after the service, and just take a printout and put that. Let your children see this. Number eight, to prevent lying, punish no fault, which is first confessed and repented, so that they won't lie. They don't need to lie. Number nine, never allow a sinful act to go unpunished. Teach children to fear the rod. Fearing God is important, but teach children to fear the rod. Never punish a child twice for a single offense. Commend, commend or reward good behavior. Any attempt to please, even if poorly performed, should be commended. Preserve property, property rights, even if in, in small matters. That simply says, do not allow them to touch valuables. They should know the value. Do not give your cell phone to your child because they should know the value. Do not allow them to touch anything which is valuable. Otherwise, they will grow without knowing the value. At the same time, do not a property right. Do not allow them to touch others' property. When you go home, when you visit somebody, they have no... I mean, I, I just thank God for my parents. They brought me in that godly way. When we visit, we used to visit often to other families. When we visit, we all three of us need to sit along with them. And they serve snacks. We are not allowed to do anything. We are not even allowed to touch. Unless we get a go signal from our parents. All three of our eyes will be looking at my mom's, you know. When we'll get that sign to go. 
so that we can have snacks. Bring up and discipline your child when the child is with you, even at the very early age, so that they will not leave. They will not forget that. Number 15, strictly observe all promises. If you make a promise, do it. So that they trust you. They believe you. Number 16, require no daughter to work before she can read well. Education is more important than working. Do not send your child just work. Whereas she is supposed to come to church, she's supposed to go to university and tuition and education. Children, finally, let's talk a little bit about children before we close. Children, responsibilities. Can you read together with, 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 with me? Honoring parents, obeying and following their good example, knowing what is good and evil as they are accountable for themselves. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. God says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord, your God, is giving you. You need to teach your children to honor you as a parent. If you don't teach them, you are giving them for premature death. If you don't teach your children how to honor you, how to respect you as a parent and grandparent, you are giving in the hands of the enemy for premature death. That's what the scripture talks about. Proverbs 23, verse 22. Listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. Proverbs 1, 8. My son, can you read with me? Proverbs 1, 8. My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. Jesus was a carpenter's son. He would have worked along with Jesus in his foundry, working along with him. David was a shepherd boy. How your children behave with your, their brothers and sisters. You need to bring that culture. David, remember David was taking food for his brothers as three of his brothers as they were in the war field. Miriam caring for her brother Moses. Aaron and Moses together, standing together in the kingdom of God, working for God. You need to teach your children a lot of things. Bible says, do not allow your children to mock at you. Do not allow your children to mock at you. Can you read this word with me, verse with me? Proverbs 1, sorry, Proverb 30, verse 17. Can you read with me? The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. God says, do not encourage your child to mock at you. Bring the discipline in your house. That's what God is talking about. When you want to build your family in a godly way, God wants us to bring all these disciplines in our lives. Parents need to make children accountable for their act. As they grow up, as they come up in their lives, we need to make sure Romans chapter 14 verse 12, you need to teach them. So then each of us shall give an account to himself to God. All that I can do is I can bring you up to, maybe you are in 12th grade now, you are getting into university, I just worked in your life, I brought you to this level, now it's all up to you. You decide how you want to build your life. Because one day you need to be accountable for God, for your life. Finally, there are two things that are very important. Before that, this is very important. Children reflect their parents. Sometimes we feel that when children, when especially when babies are behaving in a different way. We have seen babies, you know, sometimes they throw stuff out in their hand, from their hands. They don't cooperate, you know, they do many things we see. Where do they learn these things from? 
So as parents, we should be able to set a good model, good example in front. They want to see both of you loving each other. They want to see husband and wife loving and caring for one another. That's very, very important. That's where children learn. That's how they learn. It all depends how you behave at home. That's how they behave outside. Two things which are very important. Harmony is very important. They all do their responsibility. But we need to do it in a harmonical way. Think about a building. If you say that I don't want to put the walls, but I want to make the roof stand. Well, is it possible? No, it's not possible. You can't say that, you know, I don't want to, I want to put the foundation, but I want to just build the wall. It's not going to happen. Everything has to work in harmony. There must be a harmony inside the family. And you as a husband, you as a wife, you need to bring that harmony inside your family. All must work together to build the family. Otherwise, the family is not going to be built. Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Read with me. Bearing with one another. And forgiving one another. If anyone has any complaint against one another, each as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Where it has to start? Not at the church, but inside the family. You need to teach your children to how they forgive each other if they have siblings. How they should ask for forgiveness. How they forgive each other. Bring that unity among themselves. I want you to think about I always think about Noah's family. In that wicked generation, only one righteous family standing for God. And God asked them to make the ark. Four generations joined together and made the ark. Do you know that? Noah and his three sons. Noah's father, Lemuel. He died only five years before the flood. Noah's grandfather, Methuselah. He died on the year of the flood. One, two, three, four, four generations standing together working in the kingdom of God. What a joy that will be. If you can stand together and do something for God as a family, there is nothing greater than that. God wants you to build your family today. God wants you to take it serious and build, put the proper foundation for your family today. And you need to prioritize finally in your family. With this one slide, I'm just going to close. After being said all these things, Bible talks about priority. It talks about seek ye first, what we should seek? The kingdom of God. Your priority, number one priority, before we go to that slide, number one priority must be seeking the kingdom of God. Bible talks about, we saw the scripture, taking care of your own family before taking care of the church. Doing something for God before doing something in your family. Bible talks about the priority, taking care of your own household before taking care of others. Even when Paul writes, he says that, he tells husband, you should love your, no, you're wrong. You should love your, you should love your neighbor. You should love your, you need to read the scripture, your own wife. You don't need to laugh at me, it's a scripture. Read that again. You need to love your whole, not whole wife, own wife. Yeah, of course, whole wife you need to love. So you need to love your own wife before loving somebody else. The priority. Same way you need to love your own husband before loving somebody else. When you set these priorities well, things will fall in place. 
In many families, these priorities are set upside down, and that's the reason your family is standing upside down today. And God wants you to set this priority. This is what I could just think of. If you can put the next slide, please. Your priority must be number one, God. Can you say that with me? Without any doubt, I don't think any, anybody has any hesitation to say that. Number one is God. For those who believe in God, number one priority is God. Number two priority, who? Say that out loud. Your spouse, if you have one, number two priority is your spouse. Of course, your health comes between God and your spouse somewhere there. Because if you say that I'm loving my wife too much, I do everything for her, and if you don't take care of your own health, tomorrow you are not there. Are you with me? So set the priorities right, God and your spouse, and in between you are expected to take care of your health. Who is number three? Child or children, if you have one. Don't put them above your spouse. You will have trouble soon. Keep this order, maintain this order. These are the biblical orders. God and your spouse and children and your career, your business, your ministry comes under that. Just somewhere after children. Do not mess up your family. After all, you are doing everything for your child. And if you more focus on ministry and forget your child, tomorrow your child is not going to follow Christ. And if you focus on your business and you forget your child, tomorrow he's not going to come up in his life. Fourth, then comes who? I want to hear that out loud. And where is their position? Number four. Can I hear from everybody? Number four is parents' position. They don't fit anywhere else. It's true that they brought you up. They invested in their life. And today you are called to invest in your life of your child. And what are you looking at? What are you doing with your parents? And Bible clearly says, the moment you are a family, you got married. By what Bible said, what we read in Genesis, man has to leave their father. Oh, you don't know scriptures. Father and mother. And and live together with his wife as one flesh. Put that order correctly. Parents, then comes the extended family and friends and rest of the world. You can't say that God has put so much of burden in my heart. I need to pray. I need to fast and 40 days and pray for the rest of the world because people are perishing in the flood. My question is, what is your husband doing? Did you cook today? Did you have your meal today? Did you feed your child today? Put your orders right in the right priority. Then we'll see our families built. Shall we all arise this morning? Just to summarize, God wants us to build our families on the foundation of God's word. So far, whatever I spoke, it's all based on God's word. God wants us to build our families on the foundation of God's word. Every member of the family has a responsibility. They should perform their duties and they should allow the other partner to perform their duty. Biblical order of family must be followed. Children need to be trained. They need to be corrected so that they will come out of the foolishness that is sticking in their hearts. And you should help them to come out of that foolishness. 
All family members must be working together in harmony to build a family. And we talked about the biblical model for family that need to be followed and the priority and the hierarchy that God is talking about so that your family will have good health and it will have a longevity. This morning God has spoken to us. Shall we close our eyes?